are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. Sapphire Planet. Two thousand and eight. The Iraq Civil War continues. Throughout two thousand and eight. U.S. officials and independent think tanks began to point to improvements in the security situation as measured by key statistics. According to the U.S. Defense Department, in December 2008, the overall level of violence in the country had dropped 80% since before the surge began in January 2007 and the country's murder rate had dropped to pre-war levels. They also pointed out that the casualty figure for U.S. forces in 2008 was 314 against a figure of 904 in 2007. According to the Brookings Institution, Iraqi civilian fatalities numbered 490 in November 2008 as against 3,500 in January 2007, whereas attacks against the coalition numbered somewhere between 200 and 300 per week in the latter half of 2008, as opposed to a peak of nearly 1,600 in the summer of 2007. The number of Iraqi security forces killed was under 100 per month in the second half of 2008, down from a high of 200 to 300 in the summer of 2007. Meanwhile, the proficiency of the Iraqi military increased as it launched in a spring offensive against Shia militias, which Prime Minister Nouri al-Malikai 
had previously been criticized for allowing to operate. This began with a march operation against the Mehdi army in Basra, which led to fighting in Shia areas up and down the country, especially in the Seder city district of Baghdad. By October 2008, the British officer in charge of Basra said that since the operation, the town had become secure and had a murder rate comparable to Manchester in England. The U.S. military also said there had been a decrease of about a quarter of the quantity of Iranian-made explosives found in Iraq in 2008 possibly indicating a change in Iranian policy. Progress in Sunni areas continued after members of the Awakening Movement were transferred from U.S. military to Iraqi control. In May, the Iraq army, backed by coalition support, launched an offensive in Mosul, the last major Iraqi stronghold of Al-Qaeda. Despite detaining thousands of individuals, the offense failed to lead to major long-term security improvements in Mosul. At the end of the year, the city remained a major flashpoint. In the regional dimensions, the ongoing conflict between Turkey and PKK intensified on February 21st, when Turkey launched a ground attack into the Kwandil Mountains of northern Iraq. In the nine-day-long operation, around 10,000 Turkish troops advanced to up to 25 kilometers into northern Iraq. This was the first substantial ground incursion by Turkish forces since 1995. Shortly after the incursion began, both the Iraqi cabinet and the Kurdistan regional government condemned Turkey's actions and called for the immediate withdrawal of Turkish troops from the region. Turkish troops withdrew on February 29th. The fate of the Kurds and the future of the ethnically diverse city of Kirkuk remained a contentious issue in Iraqi politics. U.S. military officials met these trends with cautious optimism as they approached what they described as the transition embodied in the U.S.-Iraq Status of Forces Agreement, which was negotiated throughout 2008. The commander of the coalition, U.S. General Raymond T. Oderno, noted that, in military terms, transitions are the most dangerous times. He said this in December of 2008. At the end of March, the Iraqi army, with the coalition air support, launched an offensive dubbed 
charge of the knights in Basra to secure the area for militias. This was the first major operation where the Iraq army did not have direct combat support from conventional coalition ground troops. The offensive was opposed by Madia Army, one of the militias, which controlled much of that particular region. Fighting quickly spread to other parts of Iraq, including Seder City, Al-Qut, Al-Hihal, and others. During the fighting, Iraqi forces met stiff resistance from militiamen in Basra to the point that the Iraqi military offensive slowed to a crawl, with the high attrition rates finally forcing the satirists to the negotiating table. Following talks with Brigadier General Qasem Soleimani, commander of Qad's brigades of Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps and the intercession of the Iranian government, on March 31, 2008, al-Sadr ordered his followers to cease fire. The militiamen kept their weapons. By May 12, 2008, Basra residents overwhelmingly reported a substantial improvement in their everyday lives, according to the New York Times. Government forces have now taken over Islamic militants' headquarters and halted the death squads and vice enforcers who attacked women, Christians, musicians, alcohol sellers, and anyone suspected of collaborating with Westerners, according to the report. However, when asked how long it would take for lawlessness to resume if the Iraqi army left, one resident replied, one day. In late April, roadside bombings continued to rise from a low in January from 114 bombings to more than 250, surpassing the May 2007 high. Speaking before the Congress on April 8, 2008, General David Petraeus urged delaying troop withdrawal, saying, I've repeatedly noted that we haven't turned any corners. We haven't seen any lights at the end of the tunnel, referencing the comments of then-President Bush and former Vietnam-era General William Westmoreland. When asked by the Senate if reasonable people could disagree on the way forward, Petraeus said, we fight for the right of people to have other opinions. Upon questioning by the Senate Committee Chair Joe Biden, Ambassador Crocker admitted that Al-Qaeda in Iraq was less important than the Al-Qaeda organization led by Osama bin Laden along the Afghan-Pakistani border. Lawmakers from both parties complained that U.S. taxpayers are carrying Iraq's burden as it earns billions of dollars in oil revenues. Iraq became one of the top current purchasers of U.S. military equipment, with their army trading its AK-47 assault rifles, 
for the U.S. M16 and M4 rifles, among other equipment. In 2008 alone, Iraq accounted for more than 12.5 billion of the 34 billion U.S. weapon sales to foreign countries. Iraq sought 36 F-16s, the most sophisticated weapon system Iraq has attempted to purchase. The Pentagon notified Congress that it approved the sale of 24 American attack helicopters to Iraq, valued as as much as $2.4 billion. Including the helicopters, Iraq announced plans to purchase at least 10 billion in U.S. tanks and armored vehicles, transport planes, and other battlefield equipment and services. Over the summer, the Defense Department announced that Iraqi government wanted to order more than 400 armed vehicles and other equipment worth up to 3 billion and six C-130J transport planes worth up to 1.5 billion. From 2005 to 2008, the United States had completed approximately 20 billion in arms sales agreement with Iraq. The U.S.-Iraq Status of Force Agreements was approved by the Iraqi government on December 4, 2008. It establishes that U.S. combat forces will withdraw from Iraqi cities by June 30, 2009, and that all U.S. forces will be completely out of Iraq by December 31, 2011. The pact is subject to possible negotiations, which could delay withdrawal and a referendum scheduled for mid-2009 in Iraq, which may require all U.S. forces to completely leave by the middle the year 2010. The PAC requires criminal charges for holding prisoners for over 24 hours and requires a warrant for searches of homes and buildings that are not related to combat. U.S. contractors working for U.S. forces will be subject to Iraqi criminal law, while contractors working for the State Department and other U.S. agencies may retain their immunity. If U.S. forces commit still undecided major premeditated felonies while off-duty and off-base, they will be subject to the still undecided procedure laid out by a joint U.S.-Iraq committee if the United States certifies the forces were off-duty. U.S. Secretary of Defense Robert Gates has predicted that after 2011 he would expect to see perhaps several tens of thousands of American troops as part of the residual force in Iraq. Several groups of Iraqis protested the passing of the SOFA Accord as prolonging and legitimizing the occupation. Tens of thousands of Iraqis 
burned in effigy of George W. Bush in a central Baghdad square where U.S. troops five years previously organized a tearing down of a statue of Saddam Hussein. Some Iraqis express skeptical optimism that the U.S. would completely end its presence by 2011. On December 4, 2008, Iraq's Presidential Council approved the security pact. A representative of the Grand Ayatollah Ali Hussani al-Sistini expressed concern with the ratified version of the pact and noted that the government of Iraq has no authority to control the transfer of occupier forces into and out of Iraq, no control shipments, and that the PACs grant their occupiers immunity from prosecution in Iraqi courts. He said that Iraqi rule in the country is not complete while the occupiers are present, but that ultimately the Iraqi people would judge the pact in a referendum. Thousands of Iraqis have gathered weekly after Friday prayers and shouted anti-U.S. and anti-Israel slogans, protesting the security pact between Baghdad and Washington. A protester said that, despite the approval of the interim security pact, the Iraqi people would break it in a referendum next year. 2009 Coalition Redeployment On January 1, 2009, the United States handed control of the Green Zone and Saddam Hussein's presidential palace to the Iraqi government in a ceremonial move described by the country's prime minister as a restoration of Iraq's sovereignty. Iraqi Prime Minister Nouri al-Malakai said he would propose January 1st to be declared National Sovereignty Day. This palace is the symbol of the Iraqi sovereignty and by restoring it, a real message is directed to all Iraqi people that Iraqi sovereignty has returned to its natural status, al-Maliki said. The U.S. military attributed a decline in reported civilian deaths to several factors, including the U.S.-led troop surge, the growth of U.S.-funded awakening councils, and Shiite cleric Muqtada al-Sadr's call for his militia to abide by a ceasefire. On January 31st, Iraq held provincial elections. Provincial candidates and those close to them faced some political assassinations and attempted assassinations, and there was also some other violence related to the election. Iraqi voter turnout failed to meet the original expectations which were set and was the lowest on record in Iraq. But U.S. Ambassador Ryan Crocker characterized the turnout as large. Of those who turned out to vote, some groups complained of the disenfranchisement and fraud. After the post-election curfew was lifted, 
Some groups made threats about what would happen if they were unhappy with the results. On February 27, 2009, United States President Barack Obama gave a speech at Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune in the United States state of North Carolina, announcing that the U.S. combat mission in Iraq would end by August 31, 2010. A transitional force of up to 50,000 troops tasked with training the Iraqi security forces, conducting counterterrorism operations, and providing general supply support may remain until the end of 2011, the president said. The day before Obama's speech, Prime Minister of Iraq, Nuro al-Malikai, said at a press conference that the government of Iraq had no worries over the impending departure of U.S. forces and expressed confidence in the ability of the Iraqi security forces and police to maintain order without American military support. On April 9th, the sixth anniversary of Baghdad's fall to the coalition forces, tens of thousands of Iraqis thronged Baghdad to mark the sixth anniversary of the city's fall and to demand the immediate departure of coalition forces. The crowds of Iraqis stretched from the giant Seder city slum in northeast Baghdad to the square around three miles away where protesters burned an effigy featuring the face of former U.S. President George W. Bush who ordered the U.S.-led invasion of Iraq and also the face of Saddam Hussein. Shiites were brutally persecuted under Saddam Hussein's rule. There were also Sunni Muslims in the crowd. Police said many Sunnis, including prominent leaders such as the founding sheikh from Sons of Iraq, took part. On April 30th, 2009, the United Kingdom force formally ended combat operations. Prime Minister Gordon Brown characterized the operation in Iraq as a success story because of the UK troops' efforts. Britain handed control of Basra to the United States Armed Forces. On July 28, 2009, Australia withdrew its combat forces as the Australian military presence in Iraq ended per an agreement with the Iraqi government. The withdrawal of U.S. forces began at the end of June with 38 bases to be handed over to Iraqi forces. On June 29, 2009, U.S. forces withdrew from Baghdad. On November 30, 2009, Iraqi Interior Minister's officials reported that the civilian death toll in Iraq fell to its lowest levels in November since the 2003 invasion. On June 30th, 
2009, and again on December 11th, the Iraqi ministers of oil awarded contracts to international oil companies for some of Iraq's many oil fields. The winning oil companies enter joint ventures with the Iraqi Ministry of Oil, and the terms of the awarded contracts include extraction of oil for a fixed fee of approximately $1.40 per barrel. The fee will only be paid once a production threshold is set by the Iraqi Ministry of Oil is reached. On February 17, 2010, U.S. Secretary of Defense Robert Gates announced that, as of September 1st, the name Operation Iraqi Freedom would be replaced by Operation New Dawn. On April 18th, U.S. and Iraqi forces killed Abu Ayyab al-Masari, the leader of al-Qaeda in Iraq, in a joint American and Iraqi operation near Saddam Hussein's hometown of Tikrit, Iraq. The coalition forces believed al-Masari to be wearing a suicide vest and proceeded cautiously. After the lengthy exchange of fire and bombing of the house, the Iraqi troops stormed inside and found two women still alive one of whom was al-Masari's wife. Four dead men, identified as al-Masari, Abu Adala al-Rashid, al-Baghdadi, an assistant to al-Masari, and al-Baghdadi's son. A suicide vest was indeed found on al-Masari's corpse, as the Iraqi army sub subsequently stated. Iraqi Prime Minister Nouri al-Malikai announced the killing of Abu Amar al-Baghdadi and Abu Ayyabi al-Masari at a news conference in Baghdad and showed reporters photographs of their bloody corpses. Malikai states, The attack was carried out by ground forces which surrounded the house also through the use of missiles. During the operation, computers were seized with emails and messages to the two biggest terrorists, Osama bin Laden and his deputy, Aman al-Zawari, Malachi added. U.S. Forces Commander General Raymond Odierno praised the operation. The death of these terrorists is potentially the most significant blow to al-Qaeda in Iraq since the beginning of the insurgency, he said. There is still work to do, but this is a significant step forward in ridding Iraq of terrorists. U.S. Vice President Joe Biden stated that the deaths of the top two al-Qaeda figures in Iraq are potentially devastating blows to the terror network and the proof that Iraqi security forces are gaining ground. On June 20th, Iraq's central bank was bombed in an attack that left 15 people dead and brought much of downtown Baghdad to a standstill. 
The attack was claimed to have been carried out by the Islamic State of Iraq. This attack was followed by another attack on Iraq's Bank of Trade building that killed 26 and wounded 52 people. In late August 2010, insurgents conducted a major attack with at least 12 car bombs simultaneously detonating from Mosul to Basra and killing at least 51. These attacks coincided with U.S. plans for a withdrawal of combat troops. From the end of August 2010, the United States attempted to dramatically cut its combat role in Iraq with the withdrawal of U.S. ground forces designated for active combat operations. The last U.S. combat brigades departed from Iraq in the early morning of August 19th. Convoys of U.S. troops had been moving out of Iraq to Kuwait for several days, and NBC News broadcast live from Iraq as the last convoy crossed the border. While all combat brigades left the country, an additional 50,000 personnel, including advise and assist brigades, remained in the country to provide support for the Iraqi military. These troops are required to leave Iraq by December 31, 2011, under agreement between the U.S. and Iraqi governments. The desire to step back from an active counterinsurgency role did not, however, mean that the advise and assist brigades and other remaining U.S. forces would not be caught up in combat. A standards memo from the Associated Press reiterated combat in Iraq is not over, and we should not uncritically repeat suggestions that it is, even if they come from senior officials. State Department spokesman P.J. Crowley stated, We are not ending our work in Iraq. We have a long-term commitment to Iraq. On August 31st, Obama announced the end of Operation Iraqi Freedom from the Oval Office. In his address, he covered the role of the United States' soft power, the effect the war had on the United States economy, and the legacy of American wars. On the same day in Iraq, a ceremony of one of Saddam Hussein's former residents at Al-Fal Palace in Baghdad, a number of U.S. dignitaries spoke in a ceremony for television cameras, avoiding avoiding overtones of triumphalism present in U.S. announcements made earlier in the war. Vice President Joe Biden expressed concerns regarding the ongoing lack of progress in forming a new Iraqi government, saying of the Iraqi people that they expect a government that reflects the results of the votes they cast. General Ray Audinor stated that the new era in no way signals the end of our commitment to the people of Iraq. Speaking in Ramadi earlier in the day, 
Gates said that U.S. forces have accomplished something really quite extraordinary here, but how it all weighs in the balance over time I think remains to be seen. When asked by reporters if the seven-year war was worth doing, Gates commented that it really requires a historian's perspective in terms of what happens here in the long run. He noted the Iraq war will always be clouded by how it began in regards to Saddam Hussein's supposed weapons of mass destruction, which were never confirmed to have existed. Gates continued, This is one of the reasons that this war remains so controversial at home. On the same day, General Ray Odierno was replaced by Lloyd Austin as commander of U.S. forces in Iraq. On September 7th, two U.S. troops were killed and nine wounded in an incident at an Iraqi military base. The incident is under investigation by Iraqi and U.S. forces, but it's believed that an Iraqi soldier opened fire on U.S. forces. On September 8th, the U.S. Army announced the arrival in Iraq of 1st Specially Designated Advise and Assist Brigade, the 3rd Armor Cavalry Regiment. It was announced that the unit would assume responsibilities in five southern provinces from September 10th through September 13th, 2nd Advise and Assist Brigade, 25th Entry Divisions fought Iraqi insurgents near Diyala. According to reports from Iraq, hundreds of members of the Sunni Awakening Councils may have switched allegiance back to the Iraqi insurgency or Al-Qaeda. WikiLeaks disclosed 391,832 classified U.S. military documents on the Iraq War. Approximately 58 people were killed with another 40 wounded in an attack on the Syadiyat Al-Niyat Church, a Chaldean Catholic church in Baghdad. Responsibility for the attack was claimed by Islamic State and Iraq organizations. Coordinated attacks in primarily Shia areas struck throughout Baghdad on November 2nd, killing approximately 113 and wounding 250 with around 17 bombs. Preparing to buy $13 billion worth of American arms, Iraq Defense Ministry intends to transform the country's degraded conventional forces into a state-of-the-art military and become among the world's biggest customers for American military arms and equipment. Part of the planned purchase includes 140 M1 Abrams battle tanks. Iraqi crews have already begun training on them. In addition to the $13 billion purchase, the Iraqis have requested 18 F-16 Fighting Falcons as part of a $4.2 billion program that also includes aircraft training and maintenance. AIM-9 Sidewinder air-to-air missiles, laser-guided bombs, 
and reconnaissance equipment. If approved by Congress, the first aircraft could arrive in spring 2013. Under the plan, the first 10 pilots will be trained in the United States. The Iraqi Navy also inaugurated U.S. Belt Swift class patrol boats at Umm Qasar, Iraq's main port at the northern end of the Gulf. Iraq is to take delivery of 14 more of these 20 million 50-foot craft before U.S. forces depart. The high-speed vessel's main mission will be to protect the oil terminals at al-Basra and Khor al-Amini through which some 1.7 million barrels a day are loaded into tankers for export. Two U.S.-built offshore support vessels, each costing 70 million, were expected to be delivered in 2011. The United States Department of Defense has issued notification of additional 100 million proposed sale of arms from the U.S. to Iraq. General Dynamics is to be the prime contractor on the $36 million deal for the supply of ammunition for Iraq's Abrams M1A1 tanks. The sale consists of 14,010 TPT M831A1 120mm cartridges, 16,110 TPCSDST M865 120mm cartridges and 3500 Heat MPT 120mm cartridges. Raytheon is proposed as the prime contractor for a $68 million package of command, control, communications, computer intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance systems, otherwise known as the C4 ISR. In a move to legitimize the existing Iraqi government, the United Nations lifted the Saddam Hussein-era UN restrictions on Iraq. These included allowing Iraqis to have a civilian nuclear program, permitting the participation of Iraq in international nuclear and chemical weapon treaties, as well as returning control of Iraq's oil and gas revenue to the government and ending the oil for food program. Two thousand and eleven Mutaga al Sadr returned to Iraq in the holy city of Najaf to lead the Sadrist movement after being exiled since two thousand and seven. On january fifteenth, twenty eleven, three US troops were killed in Iraq. One of the troops was killed on a military operation in central Iraq, while the other two troops were deliberately shot by one or two Iraqi soldiers during a training exercise. On June 6, five U.S. troops were killed in an apparent rocket attack on Camp Victory located near the Baghdad International Airport. A sixth soldier who was wounded in the attack 
died ten days later of his wounds. On June 29th, three U.S. troops were killed in a rocket attack on a U.S. base located near the border with Iran. It was speculated that the militia group responsible for the attack was the same one which attacked Camp Victory just over three weeks before. With the three deaths, June 2011 became one of the bloodiest months in Iraq for the U.S. military since June 2009, with 15 U.S. soldiers killed, only one of them outside combat. In September, Iraq signed a contract to buy 18 Lockheed Martin F-16 warplanes, becoming the 26th nation to operate the F-16. Because of the windfall profits from oil, the Iraqi government is planning to double this originally planned 18 to 36 F-16. Iraq is relying on the U.S. military for air support as it rebuilds its forces and battles a stubborn Islamic insurgency. With the collapse of the discussions about extending the stay of any U.S. troops beyond 2011, there would not be granted any immunity from Iraqi government. On October 21, 2011, President Obama announced at a White House press conference that all remaining U.S. troops and trainers would leave Iraq by the end of the year as previously scheduled, bringing the U.S. mission in Iraq to an end. The last American soldier to die in Iraq before the withdrawal was killed by a roadside bomb in Baghdad on November 14, 2011. In November 2011, the U.S. Senate voted down a resolution to formally end the war by bringing its authorization by Congress to an end. The last U.S. troops withdrew from Iraq on December 18. The next day, Iraqi officials issued an arrest warrant for Sunni Vice President Tariq al-Hashimi. He has been accused of involvement in assassination and fled to the Kurdish part of Iraq. Iraqi insurgency surged in the aftermath of the U.S. withdrawal. The terror campaigns have since been engaged by Iraqi, primarily radical Sunni insurgent groups against the central government and the warfare between various fractions within Iraq. The events of post-U.S. withdrawal violence succeed the previous insurgency in Iraq, but have showed different patterns raising concerns that the surging violence might slide into another civil war. Some 1,000 people were killed across Iraq within the first two months since U.S. withdrawal. For coalition death totals of the Iraq war, which has the casualty numbers for coalition nations, contractors, non-Iraqi civilians, journalists and media helpers, aid workers, and the wounded. 
There have been several attempts by media coalition governments and others to estimate Iraqi casualties. On March 14, 2013, Brown University released a report on their project entitled Costs of War about the Iraq War. Five days before its 10th anniversary, the report only includes figures from direct war-related violence. It places total deaths of the war from during the U.S. involvement at about 190,000 people. 70% of these deaths, or 134,000 people, were civilians. U.S. losses totaled 4,488 military personnel and 3,400 security contractors. Coalition losses included 319 deaths. Allied Iraqi military and police suffered 10,819 deaths. Approximately 36,400 were Saddam's loyalist forces or terrorist insurgents. Bush administration's rationale for the Iraq war has faced heavy criticism from an array of popular and official sources both inside and outside the United States, with many U.S. citizens finding many parallels with the Vietnam War. For example, a former CIA officer who described the Office of Special Plans as a group of ideologues who were dangerous to U.S. national security and a threat to world peace, and that the group led and manipulated intelligence to further its agenda of removing Saddam. The Center for Public Integrity alleges that the Bush administration made a total of 935 false statements between 2001 and 2003 about Iraq's alleged threat to the United States. Both proponents and opponents of the invasion have also criticized the prosecution of the war effort along a number of other lines. Most significantly, critics have assailed the United States and its allies for not devoting enough troops to the mission, not adequately planning for post-invasion Iraq, and for permitting and perpetrating human rights abuses. As the war has progressed, critics have also railed against the high human and financial costs. According to a January 2007 BBC World Service poll, of more than 26,000 people in 25 countries, 73% of the global population disapproved of the U.S. handling of the Iraq War. A September 2007 poll conducted by the BBC 
found that two-thirds of the world's population believed the U.S. should withdraw its forces from Iraq. In 2006, it was found majorities of the United Kingdom and Canada believed that the war in Iraq was unjustified and in the U.K. were critical of their government's support of the U.S. policies in Iraq. According to polls conducted by Arab American Institutes, four years after the invasion of Iraq, 83% of Egyptians had a negative view of the U.S. role in Iraq. 68% of Saudi Arabians had a negative view. 96% of Jordanian population had a negative view. 70% of the population of the United Arab Emirates and 76% of the population of Lebanon also described their view as negative. The Pew Global Attitude Project reports that in 2006, majorities in the Netherlands, Germany, Jordan, France, Lebanon, Russia, China, Pakistan, Spain, Indonesia, Turkey, and Morocco believed that the world was safer before the Iraq War and the toppling of Saddam Hussein. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet? Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.